This episode of the Police Integrity Lost podcast features an interview that aired on the NPR radio show Here and Now on January 15th, 2015. About two dozen people gathered yesterday outside police headquarters in Albuquerque, New Mexico, to protest a fatal police shooting on Tuesday. On Monday, the district attorney announced rare murder charges in another police shooting death back in March. In Tuesday night's incident, police say John Edward O'Keefe was wearing body armor and firing at officers during a foot chase before they shot and killed him. Renee Garcia of the group Albuquerque Justice was among the protesters demanding proof. All the lapel camera video of last night's chase, shooting, and killing of this human being, we want those to be made available immediately, as it is high time for real and concrete permanent reforms. Tuesday's death was the 28th at the hands of police since 2010. Last year, the Justice Department found Albuquerque police regularly used excessive force. And you might remember the huge protests last spring following the shooting death of a mentally ill homeless man. That is the case prosecutors have now decided warrants murder charges against two officers. Phil Stinson is a former cop and now a professor who studies police behavior at Bowling Green State University. He joins us from the studios of WGTE in Toledo. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much. And start with the decision to bring charges in Albuquerque against two officers. You've tracked the numbers of times there have actually been charges in these situations. How rare is this? Well, it's fairly rare that a sworn law enforcement officer would be charged in an on-duty gun-related death, so charged with murder or manslaughter when they've shot somebody on duty. And in my research, uh, in the seven-year period, 2005 through 2011, we're only aware of 41 arrest cases where officers have been charged with on-duty shootings where they've been charged with uh, murder or manslaughter. So it's, it's a fairly rare thing, and, and there may be good reason for that. The legal standard for whether a, an officer is justified in using deadly force is well-established. Uh, the Supreme Court has laid the law down in a number of cases. And if an officer has a reasonable apprehension of an eminent threat of deadly force, force or serious bodily injury being imposed on the officer, then the officer would be justified in using deadly force. And in some of these recent cases, one of the interesting things about them is that that they're on video, that video has gotten out and that we can see, at least from one perspective, what unfolded the seconds before, the minutes before, leading up to the shooting. We can also see uh, what happened immediately after the shooting and the moments after the shooting. Well, this case in Albuquerque is going to go through the court process, but there is, as you say, a video from police body cameras. You and others are studying it. So let's take a look. The officers were approaching the man, James Boyd. He was camping outdoors in the desert. They ordered him to drop knives that he had in his hands. Now, it appears on the video, which you can see online, we'll post it herenow.org, it appears that he's going to comply. Then there's sort of a flashbang, a lot of confusion. What did you see? Was he complying in your mind? Well, it's hard to tell from the the camera angle, and we see sort of looking up the hill is the angle uh, that we see from the from the video, and and it's important to comment on the fact that it rapidly unfolded the last few seconds, and you have a canine police dog that was just a few feet in front of the gentleman who was shot. And one thing that comes to mind is whether the officers reasonably believed that the gentleman was going to stab the canine officer, the police dog. And if so, uh, would under an extension of the relevant case law that mean that the officer would be justified in protecting the canine officer, the dog? People are hearing it, but we need to underscore it. You are referring to the dog as an officer. I'm referring to the dog as an officer. And if you look at the state statutes in many states and in the federal system, a police dog 
or a police horse are considered sworn law enforcement officers. If somebody assaults a police horse or a police dog, uh, they're charged with assault on an officer in many jurisdictions. So we wait to find out whether this case even goes to trial. There are charges, but uh, that doesn't mean that we'll necessarily go to trial. But meanwhile, what do you think is is going on in Albuquerque? Again, the Justice Department uh, released this damning report condemning uh, the police for excessive force. The city agreed to reforms. The shooting on Tuesday, this most recent shooting, was the third this year uh, involving police. What else do you think this department should be doing, given what you're watching happen there? Well, obviously, the Justice Department has made a determination that there's something going on here, that we need to look at the training of officers. We need to look at their training as to deadly force. We need to look at their firearms training and those kinds of things, because there have been so many instances, so many shootings in in Albuquerque by police officers in the last several years. We also need to take note of the fact that policing is violent, and it may well be that officers in Albuquerque have been dealing with many violent people and many many violent street encounters in recent years, and and, uh, I'm not so sure that these are all bad shootings, in other words, unjustified. Well, we're reminded that uh, police work is dangerous. Last week, we had that dash cam video emerge of an officer in Montana. It's a routine traffic stop. He's at the passenger door begging the passenger to stop fidgeting, show him his hands, and then he feels compelled to shoot. And then we see the officer weeping, collapsed on the hood of a police car. He's being consoled by other officers. Yeah, I thought he was going to pull a gun. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. Jesus, Graham. You survived. You survived, the officer tells him. Very tough to watch. The suspect was unarmed but on drugs. Now, columnist Charles Blow of the New York Times, no slouch on his uh, criticism of racial profiling, says this video demands empathy for that officer and raises a lot of questions, including, you know, aren't cops in high-crime areas naturally going to be afraid of seeing guns? What questions do you think this video raises? Well, I think it raises some interesting points. One is that policing is also very raw. Street encounters are raw. And clearly in the in the moment of the situation, there was a fear, there was an apprehension of an imminent threat even after uh, the shooting. As to the officer's raw emotion, and, and, and I have to tell you as a former police officer, it was it was difficult to watch. The first time I saw that video with the officer crying, I, I turned away. And, and couldn't look at it. It just brought back emotion for me and thinking of, um, you know, cases that I've been involved in and people that I've known. And, and I have to ask, have you ever had to shoot and kill someone? No, I've not. I, I have had instances as a police officer many years ago where I had to draw my weapon, but never, never had to shoot anyone, thankfully. But, you know, years ago, I was a member of a critical incident stress debriefing team, which is a multi-agency team, and many agencies still have them. And at that time, one of the concerns was that public safety officers, police officers, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, they deal with extraordinary situations that are just not normal encounters that people find themselves in. And no matter the training you have, it's a life-changing event for a law enforcement officer to shoot and kill somebody. Well, we have to say that in the case of this officer, this was the second time that he felt the need to draw his gun and shoot. In the other case, uh, it was a suspect who also was unarmed, but also on drugs. And in both cases, he was cleared by a jury. Uh, Phil Stinson, former police officer, now a professor in the criminal justice program at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. Thank you. Well, thank you. That concludes this episode of the Police Integrity Lost podcast. 
It was recorded at WBUR in Boston, Massachusetts, and at WGTE in Toledo, Ohio. This project was supported by award number 2011 IJCX24, awarded by the National Institute of Justice, Office of Justice Programs at the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed in this podcast recording are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect those of the Department of Justice. My name is Phil Stinson, and I'm a professor in the criminal justice program at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio. For more information on my research, please go to www.bgsu.edu slash police integrity lost.